What's going on, guys? Breakdown beta test week two. As I mentioned, this week is all about uh, podcasts and newsletters that are a little bit of a deep dive on a single topic that was in the news from that day, as opposed to a curation of three topics. So I hope you guys like it. This week, or today, I rather, I want to talk about central bank digital currencies in the specific context of a new working paper from the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia's research department on how central bank digital currencies could create competition between the central bank and commercial banks, because I think this is an underexplored part of this topic with big reason. But first, let's talk about the idea of central bank digital currencies in general. These are effectively digital fiats, right? So they are controlled by the government in the same way. They're not backed by anything, but they are just digitized representations of our dollars or our yen or our whatever. Now, this idea is obviously uh, something that has been hugely in the media over the last year. China is moving forward aggressively with its DCEP digital currency exchange protocol, and you have other countries like Cambodia who are field testing digital currencies. Uh, you have a debate starting in the U.S. about when there should be a digital currency. Uh, Christian Carlo, who used to be the CFTC chairman, is leading a thing called the Digital Dollar Project now, advocating for a U.S. digital dollar. So what are the benefits of a digital currency, a central bank digital currency specifically? One, for banks, it solves an information issue. If you listen to my episode with Jeff Snyder last Thursday, you'll see that we have a very low ability to actually understand how much money is out there, uh, which makes it hard to enact monetary policy. This could help with that. Second, there is a monetary distribution issue or a money distribution issue, uh, which we'll get into in a minute about how this played out. But theoretically, for tax refunds, for payments of any kind, uh, central bank digital currency makes it much, much easier to figure out how to get money to people that actually need it, as well as, frankly, for how to collect money from people who owe it. Um, a second, or a third uh, potential benefit for those who are in power, at least, is greater power over financial crime. You have so much more ability to use information to track irregularities, and so central bank digital currencies could be a great law enforcement type argument. What are the pushbacks then? Well, uh, one is it's a complex system to bring online, and there's lots of questions about how it would relate to the existing system. Cash already exists, and how that would factor into things is meaningful. Second, there are, for people who are not in the position of government, surveillance questions, right? Uh, the ability to surveil every transaction is great for, uh, for money laundering and other types of financial crime, but not so good for citizens who don't want to have their transactions available and exposed to the government. But a third issue, and the subject of this today, is the disruption of the existing banking sector. So let's talk about what this means, and let's give an example. During the first wave of debates about coronavirus stimulus, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats introduced a bill that would introduce a digital currency as the mechanism for distributing stimulus payments. Now, the reason that they got to that point is that it would be much easier, right? It would be much easier to just push out uh, those $1,200 or whatever it was via a digital digital currency than it would be to figure out where we're going to send everyone a check, where we're going to send people a uh, a debit card effectively with $1,200 preloaded. Um, and, uh, and so it was part of that first plan. The reason or part of the reason that it was instantly shot down is that it effectively established a relationship directly between consumers and the central bank. That doesn't exist right now. Consumers have relationships with commercial banks who have relationships with the central bank. This is part of the banking system, is that consumers don't bank with the Federal Reserve. They don't bank with a central bank. They bank with a commercial bank. And the point of this Philadelphia uh, Federal Reserve Bank Research Department was to actually play this scenario 
scenario out a little bit. They found that central banks might become more attractive to depositors than commercial banks, right? They might have a higher perception of uh, of security, of stability, right? The central bank, if, if you're looking for deposit security, what's better than the actual central bank that controls the entire money supply? What might happen then is what they called a deposit monopolist, a uh, deposit monopoly, where all of the US dollar deposits from all of the commercial banks would come into the central bank instead. Now, the problem for this is that it threatens something called maturity transformation. And this is a quote directly from the block, I thought they described it really well. Maturity transformation is a practice among banks by which they secure short-term sources of financing, including deposits, which are then transformed into offerings like mortgages and other long-term forms of lending. So the point here is that if you had all of a sudden all of the money that's deposited in commercial banks from consumers shift radically overnight or even over a period of a short time to uh, central banks, you would lose out on a basis for a huge number of the banking products that consumers rely on, potentially such as mortgages uh, and other types of lending, unless, of course, some alternative was built. So the, the point of this and why I wanted to bring it up is that the conversation about CBDCs is going to get uh, a lot louder in the coming years. Um, there's going to be a lot of reasons for it. You're going to see places actually implement it. You may see knock-on effects where people believe that they have to follow suit. Uh, and there are many reasons pro and against them. Uh, we talk a lot about surveillance in the crypto industry, but the threat to the existing banking system is one that's really important to consider. Now, there's probably a point of view that says uh, some of this competition and disruption could actually be good for commercial banks. Maybe there's a better system. There's a better way to organize it. And I, I, that would be really interesting to explore. I just want to make sure you guys are thinking about all of the issues, and one of them is the the disruption to the, the relationships between consumers, central banks, and commercial banks. Anyways, guys, that is the episode for today. Thanks for listening, and uh, let me know what you think about this one episode deep dive at this sort of six to eight minute level.